I'm Orlando Jones, and I just want you to know that the Moana Nui podcast will be starting soon. Stay tuned, yo. I'm Veronica Taylor, and from myself and Ash Ketchum, I just want to say, Moana Nui, I choose you. So our next interview will be with Miss Jen Taylor. Who wants to be first? Just to be first. Go ahead, sweetheart. Oh, um, um, as far as like so what they did for Sonic the Hedgehog and they had the original voice actor for Tails and for you as Cortana. And how did they approach you to do it for the for the series that's out? Uh, Haley. Okay, you're talking about the Halo series. how was it different from the series versus the games playing Cortana? Well, not necessarily. For as like um, original voice talent for the games and then approaching uh, gaming voices for the series. Okay, so I was the original voice for the games and the series. Right. Right. So, so I'm sorry. I don't know what your question is. Yeah, I, I'm sorry because Master is. Uh, the original voice actor for Master Chief yes. was not the voice talent for Master a series. Chief in the series, yeah. but they approached you to be a part of the series. Yeah. So like, uh, how did that come about? Well, they actually um, uh, came to me, they were a little, partly through filming, and COVID shut everything down. So, sorry, so he's asking how did, how did it come about that I'm playing the role in the series of yes. Cortana? Um, and I got a call in August of 2020 asking me if I would audition, if I was interested in auditioning. And I said, of course, I'm happy. But I'm happy. No, I've got better things to do. It's August of 2020. I've got better things. I said, of course, I'm happy to audition. So I read six or seven of the scenes um, on, via Zoom, auditioned for them, filmed it with me walking around being Cortana. Um, and then they ha I had a call back where it was just a Zoom, a, a, a Zoom meeting um, and I read the scenes with them. And right after that they said, great, see you in Budapest. So it was pretty quick, yeah. Um, and as far as how different it was uh, via the game, you know, versus the games, it was using the same technology that I'm very familiar with, which is, uh, performance capture, right? But I'm doing performance capture on a TV show, so there's a ton of technical stuff that I'm having to deal with that I wouldn't normally. And also, nobody else I'm working with, at least me, is doing motion capture. Everybody else is live performance. So that was that was strange. Those technical things were strange, and an, and an interesting challenge to try to maintain the character within that, those technical aspects. That was exciting and different and challenging. Next yeah. question, Mr. Mason. Speaking of challenges, in the later half of the video game series, Cortana, the character, was going through rampancy and it has been alluded to that it was a creative decision because the creative director's own family was going through Alzheimer's and dementia. That must have been a huge challenge to present that a form of that disease in the character for, for the video games. What challenges did you find when you came to portray that in, in the when, during the role? So the question, did everybody hear the question? Um, 
That's not something I knew, Mason. Mason, what's your name? Yes. Mason, that's not something I knew. Oh. I just learned that from you. If that's true, that's <laughs> remarkable. Um, and my own father is, is going through that, so that is a really remarkable thing that I just learned from you. Um, and shocking uh, to me that I didn't know that. Uh, what we tried to do in that moment and, and what I was directed to do was to play as many different facets and extreme sides of, of one's personality and we blended them all together. So, uh, um, for example, my, my director for that, those scenes in particular, her name was Chris, she's a remarkable director, female director, yay. And she basically pushed me to explore all of these different sides. So, and, and you know, it's gonna sound funny when I say it here, but we were doing things like, okay, this is just straight up Cortana, right? We're just gonna do Cortana's voice reading this particular line. And now I want you to do baby Cortana. And now I want you to do wizard Cortana. And now I want you, I mean, we did as many different variations, sort of personalities, as you say, that we could come up with. Now, I mean, I think she was even like, now you're farmer Cortana. Like we just did as many, and then they blend, they blended them all together to become one. So those, those tapes, when she's starting to fracture, are actually like 20 different takes blended together. Um, it was an emotional experience for me at the time, but now that I'm thinking back about it and now that you tell me that, it's even more intense. So I'm going to have to process that because I didn't know that that was actually happening. I, I apologize for hating no, 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 Mason, don't, don't, no, that's interesting for me to learn. <laughs> Next question. Yes, hey, Alan. My name's Alan. Alan, hi. Hey, uh, so I know that you do um, other stuff besides voice acting. Like I know you do like stage play. Uh -huh. So like, um, I guess like, I don't, if you don't have a favorite out of three, like what do you enjoy out of like those crafts like, in comparison to voice acting? What do I enjoy the different aspects of acting? Like yeah, different like the theater, film, voice. Yeah. They're all so different, um, but but in the end, we're all pretending. I mean, they're all different variations of pretend, right? So it's like I'm a little kid getting to do all of them. I don't know that I have a favorite because I love aspects of each of them. I just finished doing a play and doing a play is such a different experience in that you're, you're telling what a whole story each night, right? Or each day that each time you do the performance, you have a full arc that you get to play in and explore and control at a certain point, you know what I mean? And when you're doing TV or even uh, you know performance capture, you're oftentimes, more so in TV, you're doing just a fraction of a scene oftentimes. You're doing a moment over and over and over again. And so it becomes a way of like diving into a moment that you don't do in theater, right? You dive into a moment and examine it almost minutely in, in TV or film. Um, which I think it becomes a skill and an art to figure out how to blend that, how to make that an arc, if that makes sense. Yeah. Those tiny moments, it's tiny fragments that you then learn to blend. Um, and I'm not sure that I am very good at it yet. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping I'm learning to be better at that. That is a, a true skill, a true art, I think, that an actor has. Because my basis is theater. That's where I started um, and continue to do. So. Next question. Thank you for asking the question. Deidre? 
yes, hi. I was wondering, what was your favorite part about working with Valve, doing the Left 4 Dead series, and voicing Zoe? What was my favorite part about doing Valve and voicing Zoe? So I came in late for Zoe. They had cast somebody else and done the whole thing and decided they wanted to go a different way. And so I was sort of late to that process. Um, I had auditioned, and they didn't like my audition, I guess. And they came back to me and said, can you try it differently? And I said, yeah, sure. Um, and I auditioned again, and they said, great, we'll, we'll take you. Uh, and so everybody else had already finished recording. And then we came back, and I got to work with everybody in the room, all three of the, of the three other guys in it. And that was fun, because we don't ever get to do that. I mean, rarely. Most of the time, we're by ourselves in a booth. So the most fun was actually being in the room with the other three guys and getting to play with them in a remarkable way. That was fun. That was my best experience from that. Yeah. Okay. Mr. D'Angelo, you had a question, sir? So you played like three or four cartoons now. How do you know about <laughs> keeping the voice um, familiar, but while giving it its own twist to keep, you know, keep everyone else familiar and connected with the character? Wow, you know. Yeah. So I've played different iterations of the same character. How do you keep them separate? That's a very good question. Um, so much of it has to do with, in my line, in my um, experience, timeline, right? And knowing which arc I'm playing, because it it it's a little you know some of them are a little skewed or a little different. But it's all needs to be, as you say, similar. Um, I, I feel like, especially with Cortana, I've become so familiar with that character after playing her for 21 years that I feel very comfortable finding her. And it feels more like different aspects of her personality that I'm focusing on and exploring and getting to know, you know, discovering, basically. So, um, that's become easier for me. How to keep it clear? I oftentimes go back and listen to what I did before. I, I truly do that. I think other actors probably do that as well. Sometimes I have to go back because sometimes it's also been three years since I've worked on a project. I'm like, what are we, what are we doing? And it also depends on my director and how they push me, what they ask for. So it is a symbiotic, you know, relationship. I'm working with a lot of other people. I, I. Um, I don't want to take credit for this project because there's so many people working on this character that it's not just me. So it, it really depends on who I'm working with as well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think we do. We have time for one more. Okay. Then, Mr. Mason, you may be the last question, sir. So focusing exactly on that point, you have been working with the voice actor of Master Chief for so long, and your partnership has gone through so highs and lows. And for as far as the characters, right? Um, and you guys have done this for, for a while, it was remarked that with Halo Infinite, he added a more mature, wizened inflection with that character to reflect that, but how has the challenges been with working with, with such a partner, in a good way, for so long in developing these characters for 20 years? Yeah, how has it been working with Steve Downs, who plays the Master Chief, um, and developing these characters over time? It's interesting, we didn't know each other, we had never met until 10 years into this process. After Halo 3 came out, there was a celebration at the 10-year anniversary, so it was 2011, and he likes to joke about this because I just walked right up and gave him the biggest bear hug in the world because I felt like you, 
you are the only other person on the planet who understands the journey that I've been you know, <laughs> working on. Halo 4 is the only project that we worked on together, actually in the booth together. Um, the motion capture had already been done, and so we came in to basically voice over these, uh, the motion capture actors' performances, um, to do ADR, if you will, for that. Uh, and so we got to be together in the room, and that was a remarkable experience. And I think that um, I personally, when I watch Halo 4, the cutscenes, I can feel that, that connected you know, energy. Um, for Five and for Halo Infinite, we, we were not, we don't get to, we haven't gotten to work together. I work with a man named Bruce Thomas who does the motion capture for Chief. Um, and then Steve comes in and works on it after that. So I think he gets to hear what I do, but I don't get to hear what he does until after, until after the piece. So a lot of that has to do with editing. It also has to do with us knowing each other so well because we've gotten really to know each other doing conventions together um honestly and just hanging out and that's how we've our relationship has grown and i imagine that that is reflected because i know what steve's gonna do isn't that silly but i feel like i do and i'm sure he feels the same way like oh jen's gonna okay because we have become so tight um but we're not, but we're not, we're not working in the same room. So it's a lot of guesswork, I think, <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Again, for doing interviews with Thank you. you. Everybody, we're going to go ahead and kick off our interview with Steve Downs. And um, if you have a question for him, please raise your hand so I can make sure I, I know which of you will have a question. And we're going to start with you. So given, given the fact that you've been playing the Master Chief for almost over 20 years at this point, with the latest um, entry in the series, Halo Infinite, it's been noted by several people that the Master Chief has a more mature, wizened aspect of it. Was that a creative decision that you had at the beginning of production? Uh, yeah, so a mature and wise, uh, of course it's another way for saying he's a lot older, <laughs> <laughs> which he is. Uh, but yes, to answer your question, uh, I, I, I think that was a, a conscious decision on my part, and I think also with my director, uh, Paul Crocker, we, we talked about that, and, um, and I think with the introduction of the weapon, uh, I think it, it uh, my... It was going out Okay, we good? Okay. <laughs> Um, with the introduction of the weapon and uh, the, the dynamic between the chief and his AI uh, is a little different than it was with Cortana. So uh, because of that, uh, you know, it, it, it became more of a, I guess, fatherly sort of relationship, you know, in a way, 
and, and so yes, I think you know to, to accomplish that, I sort of approached it in that way, so a, a little wiser, a little you know bit, you know been through a, f a few things, and and would maybe try to impart some of that wisdom onto uh, his new AI. Thank you. Uh, next question. <coughs> oh, okay. Hey, my name is Alan. Nice yeah. to meet you. Uh, so. When you first voiced Master Chief, did you expect um, Halo to become like the face of Xbox? Well, no, uh, is the short answer. The, the, the long answer is that not only did I not expect it, nobody at Bungie expected it, to the point where they, there was no plan to do a sequel. Uh, in fact, uh, some of the uh, head guys at, at Bungie were dead set against doing sequels. They just didn't believe in them. They thought they, you know, they were really one and done kind of guys. Well, Microsoft had a, another idea with the success of uh, Combat Evolved, so uh, they, 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 you know, they went right back and started uh, working on Halo 2. But I had no idea, and they had, to be honest with you, they completely forgotten about it. We did the session, it took, Combat Evolved took, I think, maybe two or three sessions for me. And then we, you know, as a voice actor, you move on, you go to the next thing. And because I wasn't involved in the gaming community, I'm not a gamer myself, I was unaware of how huge this thing was becoming uh, until really uh, well, uh, over a year later. And, and uh, I was at a friend's house and um, their kids were playing Halo and, and I recognized it. I, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, <clears throat> you know, I think I voiced a character in that game and, and the kids said, who? And I, I couldn't remember his name. I said, I, I don't remember his name, but I think he was kind of the main guy in the game. And they said Master Chief. I said, Yeah, yeah, it was Master Chief. So 30 minutes later, there's, you know, every kid in the neighborhood is at <laughs> his front door with either an Xbox or a copy of their game, wanting me to sign it. And that was my first, that was my aha moment that uh, you know something was happening here that I had no idea what was going on. Uh, uh, yes, sir. Oh, uh, <coughs> the, the live action Halo series. Yeah. Uh, what is your take on? On the live action show, on, on the Paramount show, I really like it. Um, it obviously, it, it's kind of a different experience for me than it would be for for maybe anybody else. I think uh, I was delighted when they decided to include Jen Taylor as as Cortana. Uh, to me, there was no other. I, I I don't know why it was even a you know discussion. You know, there was no other option as far as I was concerned. She is Cortana. Um, uh, I think Pablo Schreiber does a great job as chief. Uh, it's uh, uh, the storyline is obviously different. There, there is some uh, connection to the original canon, and then there's a lot that has nothing to do with with, with the with the storyline in the game. But it's a different medium, and you know, so many times when they uh, video games try to be converted into a movie or a TV show, they fail. And one of the reasons they fail is because they just basically try to do the game in a, in a, and you can, they're, they're two different mediums. So I think they made a wise decision to approach Halo, the television show, as a different entity than Halo, the game. And, uh, and I look at it like, you know, I'm a big fan of science fiction anyway. I love good science fiction. And us science fiction lovers have a, a heavy cross to bear because there's a lot of lousy science fiction out there. And so I, I watched the show with a completely open mind and said, you know, thinking, will I be entertained by this? And I am, and I'm interested, and I can't wait to see what they do in the second season. Yeah. 
Do you have a favorite weapon? Uh, you say you don't really play games a lot, but do you have a weapon? Do you like the best in Halo? Do I, do I have a favorite weapon? Uh -huh. uh, a plasma rifle. I like it, and I have one at home. <laughs> and I really like it. It doesn't have real plasma. It doesn't shoot real plasma. But I, I kind of like the uh, the style of it, and, I, and uh, you know, won't, won't, Whenever the chief has a chance to get his hands on one, and the battle rifle, of course, is 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 great, but uh, yeah, I I think probably I'm partial to the, the plasma rifle when I can. Yeah. Uh, have you ever had a chance to dress up as Master Never, and nor will I ever. <laughs> I when I first started to make appearances on behalf of Halo and Master Chief, I remember calling Marty O'Donnell. Marty was the guy who cast me as Master Chief. He wrote all the music for the Bungie games, cast all the voices, was an integral part of the development of, of Halo. So when somebody asked me, uh, they, they wanted me to come down to, a, I think it was a GameStop or some iteration of GameStop to, to, it was a grand opening, and they wanted me to, you know, make an appearance. And so I called Marty and, and said, are you okay with this? Can I, can I do this? He said, yeah, he says, to, you know, the, the only thing we ask is that you don't dress up as the character. And I said, not a problem. <laughs> so no, I don't. I, I've never put on the, the Milner uh, uh, you know, to date, and I, I don't foresee it happening. Although maybe some Halloween when you come to my door, who knows. <laughs> So you've spent a number of years as a DJ, radio personality before right. Halo, and then you also then you transitioned. Um, was your relationship with your, your wife or your, your partner, who's also a voice actress, did that help ease the transition, or did you plant the idea in your head, or was it just you just doing work and it just transformed on its own? Well, I had always done I've done voiceover, you know, well before Halo, and and. Um, but radio was what you know was my career of choice from a long time ago, uh, and it, in some ways, you know, it's a natural. It can be a natural progression to get into voiceover. And um, uh, early in my radio career, I actually fell in love with the production part of, of you know producing commercials or or shows or whatever, and I fell in love with that part of it. And you know, as I was building these things, I was the only voice around, so I I would voice them. Uh, and then I really got into voiceover, and especially you, you, my main bread and butter with voiceover was commercial work. Uh, a lot of commercial works and narration and that kind of thing. So it was, uh, in some ways, a natural transition. Uh, uh, and, but I kept doing radio. I just retired from full-time radio work uh, five, six years ago. Uh, so, um, but I'll never retire from voiceover as long as I can speak. <laughs> it's just too much fun. Yeah. So, what would you say is your favorite performance as Chief for all the games? There's two that immediately come to mind. Um, Halo Four was uh, my favorite experience for a couple of reasons. Um, first of all, there was some question as to whether I would be still voicing Master Chief mm -hmm. when Microsoft took it over from Bungie. They were going to recast both Master Chief and Cortana with, with different people. Uh, Fortunately, and that's why I feel so indebted when I go to these conventions, because it's those people, the people who come up and want you out of or whatever, they were the ones that saved us. Because when they, when they sort of beta tested Halo 4 without our voices, there was a lot of pushback. And so, you know, we ended up going back in. So, uh, you know, I was grateful for that. But also, 
I really love the storyline of Halo 4, and I, I felt that it really started to dig a little deeper into the relationship between the Chief and Cortana. And then thirdly, um, it was the first time Jen Taylor and I actually got to work together in the same room at the same time. And uh, that was a, a real joy. But also Halo Infinite, and, and Halo Infinite, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I had a great director in Paul Crocker, and he really embraced Master Chief in a way that, that, that no other director really had. It really kind of understood him on a, on a, in the way that I understood him. And so we could together, you know, bring to life. And it was really, uh, when I finally got to watch Halo Infinite, uh, it was the first time in all the Halo games I've ever done where I thought, well, that's why I, I left my best work on the floor. You either like it or you don't. But I was satisfied with it, and uh, and so Halo Infinite and Four are kind of tied neck and neck, I guess. <coughs> yes. So aside from um, Halo, what would you say is your proudest voiceover work? Is my what? Your proudest, proudest like? Oh. Yeah. Well, pretty hard to top Halo. <laughs> Uh, most of my other work, as I said, has uh, been commercial work. Uh, I had a long-running campaign back in the, when was that, mid-2000s with Carnival Cruise Line that I'm proud of it because it paid really well <laughs> and it ran for a very long time. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I really I like that and I really like to do it. I don't do much of it. Uh, hand hand out there, producers. I like doing documentaries. I like watching them, but I like uh, recording them. It's funny because one of my favorite uh, voiceover uh, people who does documentaries is Lee Schreiber, who is the half brother of Pablo, <laughs> which is sort of this you know six degrees of separation thing. Because I really admire his work as a, as a, not only as an actor but also as a as a voiceover and for narration. And I love you know, doing that kind of work. I, I did a series many years ago, back in the early 90s, um, for the uh, uh, Shark Week yes. that, with, that's on Discovery Channel. So we, I, I worked with a guy, uh, and they, they, they were connected to, uh, to uh, Cousteau and his production company, and I did a number of um, uh, narrations for some videos that they put together that would run during Shark Week. So that was kind of cool. That was my claim to fame before Halo. Hey, aren't you the guy on Shark Week? <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, what was the process of finding Master Chief's voice like? Uh, did you just go in and just start recording, or did it take some time to develop? Yeah. We, uh, when, when I came in to, for the first sessions, Marty O'Donnell and I sat down, and there was no visual for me to look at. There was, I didn't even know what he, Master Chief looked like, but we just talked about the game, and, and uh, actually didn't talk about the game, we talked about the universe. We talked about the Halo universe. This is what Marty understood it to be, and what Master Chief's role in it was. And, he, and so, so I could get sort of a picture of what was going on here, and then who Master Chief was. He was a super soldier, and you know, all, he, he, he didn't say much. But when he did, somebody usually died. Yeah. <laughs> and his, his main direction of where we launched it, from my uh, point of view, was he said, think of Clint Eastwood when Clint Eastwood did what they used to call the spaghetti westerns for a few dollars more and a fistful of dollars and even Dirty Harry. 
Uh, he said, think of that, because if you remember, in those movies, uh, he never spoke much, you know, hardly at all. But when he did, somebody usually died. <laughs> so that was my launching point uh, for Halo and, or for Master Chief, and from that, I sort of grew into, you know, giving him his own voice. Uh, did you recall anything that like that stood out to you in the, the role of Master Chief Kingdom? Anything that stood out to me? Right. Uh, you know, I think the it, it was trying to find the right balance between a character who is very stoic and uh, seems to be devoid of emotion, and yet there's something inside there that he's very emotional about. You know, that part of it sort of comes to light a little bit in the TV show where you get to, and if you read The Fall of Reach and some of the Halo books, you get to understand his origins. And, you know, he was basically kidnapped as a child and, and, and had a lot of things done to him that were not necessarily his idea. And uh, so there's an emotional part of him that, that he uh, has a difficult time expressing. Uh, because they kept that part of him down. So, you you know, that was how I, you know, every character, when an actor approaches a character, there's always, you try to find the tension in that character uh, to, to convey that to the audience. And, and to me, that was the tension of Master Chief is, you know, uh, a, a seemingly emotionless person who had a lot of emotion there and, and just didn't know how to sort of navigate it. So that's kind of how I approached it. Okay, we have time for one more question. Uh, you say that Master um, Chief doesn't say a line. Correct. Do you have a line that you like that he said? Say, I'm sorry, say again? Do you have a favorite line that he said? You know, I, I, people ask me that a lot, and, and it's hard for me to have a favorite line. I, I, I think my favorite line, I suppose, is at the end of Halo 4, uh, there's a scene with him and Lasky on the bridge, and this is at the very end of the game, and. Uh, we, we think Cortana is dead at that point, or he does anyway. And um, Lasky's, if, 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 for those of you who, who remember the scene, Lasky's doing all the talking and the chief is saying nothing. And then he finally, as if to himself, says, uh, well, well, Lasky says something about um, being a machine. You know, you, we're, we're not just machines out here. <clears throat> and, he's, and the chief says, um, she said that to me once about being a machine. And I just remember doing that line and it was, it felt emotional. And, and uh, so that's one of my favorites. But, you know, the fans have theirs and their favorite is finish the fight. That's their favorite. So. Did you have a, you didn't get a question. Did you have a question back there? I thought oh, you, I saw you. She was keeping track of time for me. Oh, you're keeping, okay. <laughs> okay. Wrap it up. <laughs> okay, and with that, uh, we're at the end of questions. Um. <laughs> Who is this? I don't know. He's glorious. I mean, he's just like you, but way better. Way better. Thank you. No, it's not a compliment. I wouldn't touch him if I were you, buddy. Yeah, I don't think I should touch him. You don't mind, do you? Because I'm your buddy, too. I think he's going to hit you. He punches so hard, but yet his hands are so soft. Be strong. Okay, bye.
this is our next um, press conference, and this is Miss Emily Neves, and she'll be ready to answer any questions. Who would like to be first this time? Hi. You want to be first again, Mr. Allen? Go ahead. Hi. Go, sweetheart. Hi, my name is Alan. Hi, Alan. Nice to meet nice you. Meet you too. Uh, so I know that you do like you know script writing. So I was wondering, have you written for any anime, or are you writing more so like you know live action type stuff? Um, actually, I write my day job, quote unquote, is I'm a senior writer for Crunchyroll. So yes, I've written a lot of anime, hundreds. <laughs> um, let's see, one of my more famous shows that I've written is Pop Team Epic. Um, that's probably my favorite show I've ever written. I like to say it's the show that most aligns with my core values. <laughs> so that, um, Copcraft, let's see, what else? I've written a couple episodes of My Hero Academia. Um, I stepped in for episodes 107 and 108, so that's the uh, Shigaraki arc, the Shigaraki backstory, and then also the backstory of Aizawa and present Mike um, and their friend from school and the unfortunate story of what became of him. So that's probably some of my proudest work. Um, I love my hero, I'm kind of obsessed with it, and that arc in particular is just so juicy and so dark. So um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I've written hundreds of anime and I'm actually um, I'm an author as well I'm working on a memoir <laughs> right now I'm about 38,000 words in so a little over halfway maybe just about halfway but yeah <laughs> you want to go next Mr. Q? Um, how has um, watching anime impacted your life? Oh gosh so much um, I got into voice acting because I had watched anime uh, as a teenager um, Akira, Vampire Hunter D, all of the big ones, and then in college I saw the Ghibli movies and they just changed my life and then I actually got to voice um, a Ghibli movie called Grave of the Fireflies. Um, yeah, <laughs> so upsetting, so very sad, but that's actually one of the youngest characters I've ever played, Setsuko. She's like two, I think, when the movie starts. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, and then for the last 15 years, it's been a huge part of my life, so um, I love it. <laughs> it's changed my life for the better. So, considering the fact that you've both been a writer and a voice actor, and you're able to really kind of see the industry on multiple different fronts, yes. how has that impacted, or how has that influenced your work when you're writing and you're listening, kind of imagining the characters in your head, or you're looking at character arts and everything else, yeah. or how has voice acting, like, been like, hmm, you know what, as I'm writing something, I can see how it's visualizing differently. Yeah, um, well, I, I know that being a writer has made me a better voice actor. Um, and also, I've, I've directed uh, several shows as well. Um, Made Sama, Watamote, um, Death March to the Parallel, World Rhapsody. So all of those positions sort of inform each other. Because I've been a voice actor and a director, I think it makes me a better writer because um, I, I act the lines as I'm writing them. I don't just kind of say them, so it helps them fit better. Um, and just, you know, I, I come from theater too, so uh, that gives me a really good sense of character voice. And I can, you know, take the translation and kind of see through the way it's translated and also through the animation how, the, how I think that the character would speak, you know, uh, what vernacular they would use, what slang they would use, would they be very formal, would they be very informal, um, how fast do they talk, how slow do they talk. So um, yeah, all of those jobs sort of talk to each other and they're all very similar, but I have to say of all three of them, I think that writing is my favorite. Um, I love voice acting, but writing you get sort of 
you can kind of shape the adaptation of the entire show. Um, so it's a very important job and it's a very difficult job, but I think it's also the most rewarding job. Um, just seeing, you know, when it's all said and done, like your words preserved, basically. Um, so, and also it's like doing puzzles, you know, that's when people ask me what I do, I'm like, well, I do dialogue puzzles for a living. <laughs> so, because as you know, um, the shows are animated in Japan, so all of the mouth movements are set. So we get a literal translation and I have to make it sound like people or dragons or, you know, demigods talking, but um, I also have to make it fit in the, in the mouth movements. So that's often very challenging because the syntax of Japanese is so different than the syntax of English. And so there are some things in Japanese that take three syllables to say and they take 12 to say in English or vice versa. So um, it's really fun. <laughs> it's hard, um, but I've been doing it for a long time. So I kind of have gotten to the place where I just, it's fun. I really enjoy it. As, so as a guaranteed triple threat in the, in the show, <laughs> as a writer, director, and, and voice voice actress, mm -hmm. um, what advice would you give to anyone looking to break into the field? Either one of the fields, but mm -hmm. because you have such a very unique perspective, um, challenges they might overcome, how they can work on their craft, mm -hmm. um, especially since a lot of people actually kind of transfer into voice acting. Yeah. They're, they're professors, teachers, engineers. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, I'll give voice acting a try. Mm -hmm. And then like we just spoke with Greg Baldwin earlier. Mm -hmm. And he was telling us that yo, he was 46 when he really wow. first started to like get his roles. Oh, that's amazing. Right. And he was like, don't ever give up doing everything yeah. else. But it's still a unique pathway for each and every person. Definitely. Um, there's no one right way. A lot of us get into it through theater. That's how I got into it. Um, like I said, I watched those shows when I was younger, and then I was a uh, resident company member, resident acting company member at a theater in Houston, Texas called the Alley Theater. So I, I got my degree in acting and all that, and then I was doing theater like a full-time job, five, six shows a year, um, sometimes rehearsing one during the day, performing in another one at night, but I think that, and so one of my friends who was also in the theater uh, worked at ADV, which is now Sentai, and he said that they were looking for new female talent and would I like to audition, and so I did, and <laughs> that's kind of how it all began, but um, I do think that if you want to be an actor, you've got to, you, a voice actor, you have to remember that you are an actor first, and so it helps to, to train in scene study, text analysis, um, and also practice things like improv and also cold reading, because when we go into the booth, I'm sort of an exception because I've, I've written some shows that I've started, like uh, Kakurio Bed and Breakfast um, for Spirits. I wrote that and I was the lead. <laughs> so I got to, I knew what was gonna happen before I went in, but most of the time you don't. Um, sometimes the show will air subbed before it airs dubbed, and then that's an advantage because you can watch it before you go in. But my point is, a lot of the time you, you go in and you see the scene and then you record it and it's all for the first time. So you need to be able to very quickly watch the scene, read the text, understand what the character's going for or what they're experiencing, what their motivation is, um, what's happening to them in the scene, and kind of do all of that in an instant and then be able to convey that with your voice alone um, just in a matter of like 30 seconds. So it takes practice. Um, it's hard. It's a lot like, I don't know, sometimes I like to compare it to playing like Guitar Hero or Rock Band. You know, you have to, there's so many moving parts and you have to like, read the line, watch the script, um, watch the anime, and just kind of like, you know, throw it all together in, in an instant. So I think that training as an actor is really important. But if you want to get into writing, same thing, take some writing classes. There are all kinds of workshops online, um, especially one of the silver linings of COVID is that they're offering, there are a lot of writing schools that are completely online. And so it's all through Zoom. 
Um, you can just work on your craft, work on dialogue. Um, I think that writing believable dialogue is probably the most important skill a, an ADR scriptwriter needs. Um, and I got my minor in college in playwriting, playwriting and screenwriting, so that was like my main focus. <laughs> so it lends itself really well to, to that job. And then, same thing as a director, I would say train as an actor, and then they have like directing classes too, sometimes at community colleges and whatnot, colleges. Um, and that, being a director, the most important skill is understanding story, understanding what's happening beat to beat, and understanding like, what happens to cause this moment to happen and because this moment happens what happens next and what what is the sort of like um domino effect of the story like what events cause what events and why and what each character is feeling so that you can guide an actor um very quickly from coming into the booth having no knowledge of the show and just being able to show up in the moment and perform and give the show what it needs so Oh, yeah. So I was going to ask about uh, directing. So mm -hmm. like you as a director, like are you very hands on with your actors in terms of like giving notes and guidance on how to deliver a scene? Yeah, it depends. Um, I think that the most important job of a director is casting. Okay. So I try to first cast direct, or cast actors that I trust and that are professional and that I know can come in and get the job done. But I also like working with new people too. So. If I'm working with someone that I've worked with a lot and who has a ton of experience, like Monica Rial um, or Chris Sabat, um, I've directed both of them, and they're just amazing. It's like, at that point, I'm like, well, all I have to do is scroll, because <laughs> you know what you're doing. Um, I just scroll in the script, and you go, and it's perfect, and you know, sometimes we'll have to rewrite on the fly, and Monica's a long-time dub um, ADR writer, so she'll, she can just throw things out in the moment sometimes if a line doesn't fit. But um, with newer people, yeah, I am pretty hands-on. Um, I'm very gentle though. Um, I think that the main thing for a director is to create a safe, fun environment. It's like, guys, we're making cartoons here. <laughs> and so while it is important to do the source material justice and to tell the story, and I do hold that sacred, at the same time, it's fun. It should be fun. So I, I'm never harsh on actors. I never yell at actors. I'm never mean because I, as an actor, have experienced those things both in theater. Well, no, just in theater. Um, never an anime, luckily, but I know how it feels. And so I try to be compassionate and put myself in the actor's shoes and be like, okay, if this were me and I were having a hard time with the scene, how would I want somebody to talk to me to help me get it right? So, um, yeah. <laughs> because of your versatility, um, what would you say is like your personal favorite challenge that, or new breakthrough that you've experienced? Mm, um, well, I think... Playing Aerie was a bit of a challenge. Um, it had been a long time since I played a character that young who has to go through such trauma. Um, and so I had to play a six-year-old girl, but not in an anime sort of cartoony way, but a very realistic way, and portray a child that young going through such intense emotion and like crying and all of these things. So it took a lot. It, it was a big challenge having to like put myself in her shoes and say the line as a real six-year-old um, and not make it sound corny or cheesy. Um, and Colleen really helped me a lot with that. But um, I cut my teeth on Setsuko, but it had been like 10 years. So um, yeah, I really, I, you know, I'm much older than Ari. So putting myself back in those, those little tiny shoes was challenging but also rewarding i mean like every time she comes on the crying part wasn't hard <laughs> every time she comes on screen i tear up even when she's happy i'm like i love her so much so um yeah i would say that and then 
On the complete opposite end of that spectrum, playing Uri Uminene in The Future Diary, that's probably my favorite role ever. Um, mostly because of the character arc that she takes. She starts out as a terrorist and then goes through all of this pain and suffering and she's just this war-torn, traumatized, you know, basically wounded child in an adult's body. And so getting to find her humanity through all of that trauma and suffering was difficult, <laughs> vocally and emotionally, but at the end of the day, that's kind of what, as actors, we live for, is like playing a character who changes so much, so. Thank you. Thank you. Do you have one more question? Wait, what, time for one more, Matt? Mm -hmm. Mr. Q, do you have one more? Yes. All right, so you said you're a big anime fan. Uh-huh. <laughs> so what's your big three? Oh, my big three anime? Well, definitely my hero. Um, I love that show so much. It has so much heart and humor. Um, and it sparks the imagination so much. Um, so let's see that. A couple of mine are actually pretty obscure. And I think maybe I might be a little bit biased because I worked on them, but Copcraft? That's one of my favorites of all time. Um, I wrote that, and it's kind of like a buddy cop story set in sort of a futuristic fantasy world, sort of. Um, it's a lot like LA, but it's just like slightly on the fantasy side, but it's hilarious. Um, and I just love cop stories, <laughs> so that. And then Cop Team Epic. I mean, I'm obsessed with that show. <laughs> it's so funny and so bizarre, and uh, I can't. I can't say the S word, but it's an S post. It's like the whole show is just a big S post. So I love that. And I loved kind of the different actors playing Peepa Me and Poco Po um, every episode. That was super cool. But yeah. Thank you so much. So many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If they won't tell it, we will If this the land of the free, was a freedom then When they annexed Hawaii and called it Cedar Lands Without any type of payment and no signing off Called themselves the Republic in 1894 1.2 million acres overtaken from the native Hawaiians When they resisted, the West retaliated in violence and erasure The Hawaiian language is banned As part of colonialism's plan to expand, yeah Stuck between a rock and a hard place Multiple bombings of Koholave As a part of their ongoing war with Asia Used it as a place for target practice No consent or compensation Colonizers call for annexation the work of all the local school will never let you know So many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If they won't tell it, we will Too many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If they won't tell it, we will We will So if we put Hawaii in a perspective Well, black and Asian history is interconnected Considering the fight with the Pacific then of course, versus Asia, they was treated as a middleman for war But didn't let the western colorism run its course Cause dark skin was a sign of dignity to call The land was taken in the name of capitalism When prior to it was an actual kingdom Clap back at the system Stuck between a rock and a hard place Multiple bombings of Koholave As a part of their ongoing war with Asia Used it as a place for target practice No consent or compensation Colonizers call for annexation 
Network of all the local school never let you know So many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If we won't tell it we will Too many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If we won't tell it we will So many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf if he won't tell it, we will Too many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If he won't tell it, we will We will